welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. ICU, let's be friends. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 25, my early years, the facts and the stories. Here's the thing, there's this guy and he's so cute and his birthday is tomorrow, but today, if you're listening to this when it's released, which is Friday, February 1st, Rob is 32 today and I'm sending him 32 things that I love about him. And since he tells me he listens to every episode because he's just a said like that, Rob, this is for you. To tell you the second reason why I love you, I'm gonna take you back to October 3rd, 2009. We were in college. We weren't official because I kept freaking out about things and you were super patient with me. We were not an official couple and we were at my apartment and we were hanging out and jamming out to music and there was a love song playing and you asked me if I wanted to dance. We started slow dancing in the kitchen and it was all romantic because the light was off in the kitchen, but it was totally G-rated because the light was on in the living room. (laughs) And you said to me a little nervously, I really want to kiss you, but it's okay. And I looked at you and I said, it's okay. You said, it's okay. And I said, yes. And you kissed me. And I always remember that. And that's just I love that about you, and I hope you're not embarrassed by that story, but if you are, just know that um, you shouldn't be because I loved it then and I love it now. I love that you, I always know where you're at with things because you show your emotions that way. You are open to me. That makes me trust you because you're you, and that's exactly who I want you to be. The review for this week was actually left just Wednesday, I think. It's always exciting for me to log on and see a new review. This is from Rach Stone W and the title is Thank You for the Light, five stars. My dear friend forwarded me your episodes with Lita Green. I'm so thankful for your focus on the joy and hope and light that can come from allowing yourself to heal without bitterness and hate. Too many people think that Christ's atonement is for everyone but them. I love that you reiterated what Christ did, that every single child of God is worth healing, really healing, and that it is possible to move past being defined as a victim to a great life. You and Lita are making a huge difference in this world. Thank you for your courage and time you've given to us. The fact that my abused friend forwarded it to me tells me that you've helped her already. Red heart, blue heart, red heart, blue heart, red heart, red heart, red heart, red heart. <laughs> Anyone? Nacho Libre? Big kiss, little kiss, big hug, little hug, big kiss. Thank you for that review. And if those of you that haven't listened to it, Lita Green, she talks about not just surviving, but thriving after having had a childhood of sexual abuse in episodes both eight and nine. We have that sensitive, really inspiring conversation. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it if you feel like that's something that would be helpful for you or someone you know. Thank you for sharing that with me, that review, especially Rachel, because it's a pretty huge compliment to know that my voice is in the home of someone that has been abused and that they found this comforting and inspiring. It's hard for me to think of a better compliment than that. So I really appreciate that. If you haven't left a review on the podcast and you love the podcast, please do. It helps forward the message. Okay, just a heads up before I start into my episode today. If you have not listened to episode one, my story, this episode will make a lot more sense if you listen to that first. 
I'm going to start by telling you what I'm doing right now. And that is I am attending actually a crucial conversations training here in Utah. And it's been incredible. And it's actually the inspiration behind this podcast. I literally did not know what I was going to talk about on the podcast this week. I have a couple different interviews I'm excited to share that I could have used, but I really felt like I had something to share, but I didn't know what. I started a couple different quick outlines and I could never finish them and feel peace about it until until now. Vital Smarts, who's putting on this Crucial Conversations training and it's held at their headquarters, they should probably be paying me because I'm going to say how awesome it's been, but they're not. But shout out to the instructor, David Wetzel. And if you recognize that name, maybe he was also your teacher or maybe you listened to last week's episode, episode 24, when he talks about how he's found joy and peace after losing his son to SIDS. But man, is he an incredible instructor. So this training has made me think deeply about conversations I have had in the past and the kind of conversations I want to be able to have in the future and be successful at. In our group, we've each chosen a crucial conversation to have. And a crucial conversation, just quick overview, it means three things. It means there's opposing opinions, strong emotions, and high stakes. So as I was discussing with my crucial conversations buddy, as I was discussing the crucial conversation that I needed to have, she brought to my attention that the conversation I thought I needed to have with someone else, she felt like is maybe one that I actually need to have with myself. Now, what is that conversation? It's one in which I look for permission from other people to share my story. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I was. And I've realized that the only person that can give me that permission to share my story, to feel comfortable with that, to feel like my motives are correct in that, is me. I've had the opportunity to share some of my challenges from growing up. I was recently on a Hispanic radio station called Positiva 1040, and I also just was able to do a video recording for an upcoming podcast hosted by Gaynal and Condi, who is on episode 14, I think. Yeah, 14 at War With Our Bodies. Also an incredible episode. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. And both of these situations, it's been a little vulnerable because I've been asked questions that I've never answered on a recording before. It's not stuff I've shared on this podcast. While I am very open and honest, these are things that just haven't been pertinent or relevant, I felt like, to bring up. And I always want to be open and honest, and I want to be helpful. And I realized as I was doing these interviews that these were things that were helpful to other people. What I don't want to do and why I've been hesitant to share also is because I don't want to hurt anybody that I love most. Because this is my story, I absolutely feel empowered to share it. But part of my story involves other people and they have their own stories with their own perspectives and their stories probably look a little different from mine. So the only thing I can do today is share my story and it's my story alone. I'm grateful today because I learned in this Crucial Conversations training some neat framework that has helped me find a way to talk about my growing up years in a way that feels right, it feels authentic, and it feels like me. Why is it important for me to talk about this in the first place? Um, I think it has a lot to do with that we didn't talk about these things in my family growing up. We didn't, we didn't talk about the way we felt about them. Those things just weren't talked about in that generation in general, I think. So probably a lot of people can relate to that young and old. It's proved to be an incredibly shaming thing for me, and I don't want it to be shaming anymore. And so that's why I want to tell my story. I'm going to use a fact story format to give you an idea of where I'm coming from. This is something we talked about today in the training and crucial conversations is that when you go into a conversation, it's important to state the facts first, and then you can tell your story about those facts. 
as I try to weave my way through some of the specifics of, of my story growing up, I'm about to tell you, I would hope that you can sense how compassion I have for myself and for everyone affected by the mental illness in my family growing up has helped me and continues to help me to heal. And I hope you can sense the compassion I have for everybody that, that played a part in this story because there wasn't anybody that wasn't affected by it. Fact. My family went on camping trips to Goblin Valley. Story. Those are some of my favorite memories as a kid. I'll never forget eating strawberry Twizzlers and Sunbelt chocolate chip granola bars. And I'll never forget my brother telling stories about the goblins that came alive at night. It was seriously good times. Fact. A therapist told me that my symptoms as an adult reminded her of PTSD. However, I have never been officially diagnosed with PTSD. Story. I suddenly had a name for the flashbacks, the nightmares, the triggers, the anxiety, the depression. And while I think there's times that we use labels too often and they can disconnect us, in this moment, having a name for all of these struggles I was experiencing for the tornado and absolute chaos going on in my head, it was such a huge relief to me to know where I needed to start, what I needed to do to begin healing from everything I was feeling. Fact, when I was five years old, my dad took me out of my kindergarten class early from school. He got off work early and he surprised me and he took me to the Hogel Zoo, just me and him. Story, I will never forget how exciting it was to have that one-on-one -on -one time with my dad. I adore my dad and there's seven kids. And so as you can imagine, it was always a special time to be able to be alone with a parent. No matter how much my father and I have differed in opinion and religious beliefs, having this attention and admiration from him has always just been something that I naturally crave. Fact, my father was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was four years old. Story, life could feel very bleak at times in my home. And my father had years where he couldn't work and where he spent most of the time from my point of view as a child, not leaving his bed in his room. I don't have a lot of happy memories with my dad that I can remember as a kid, but most memories, honestly, they just don't include him at all. Fact, I witnessed my mother use her own birthday money she was given by her family to buy me a dress I told her that I loved. Story, I will never forget that. I will never forget that sacrifice. Spare money didn't exist in our home as I remember it. The dress, I remember it was white and it was pink and I even wore it on my baptism day and I felt beautiful. And I remember that feeling and I'll be forever grateful for that. Fact, my father and my mother tried many forms of medications and therapies to help with my father's mental illness. My father even underwent something called ECT or electric shock therapy. I don't believe this method has been used for quite some time, but if you've seen the movie A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe, you can, you can see him undergo that in that movie for some reference. And what it is, as far as I understand, is they send electricity through your body in hopes to help correct and curve mental illness. Story. My parents didn't find a lot of success in any of these things. In fact, the side effects often made my dad's bipolar worse. Fact. When I was five years old, I came home one day to a father who was catatonic on the bed. I'm gonna pause from fact and story right now and just give a brief explanation. I don't wanna label it as fact because this is not off the internet. Not that everything on the internet is fact, but this is my understanding of it. So catatonic is, it's a state when you are so incredibly depressed that you literally stop moving. Uh, my dad, he did not even blink during this 30 minute period. He looked physically dead, but he was breathing. 
fact, my mother has the memory of me getting up on the bed and trying to talk to him and get him to wake up. Story, I remember this very well. It was very confusing and it was very scary for me as a five-year-old and for each of us. Except if I remember correctly, I think my dad has actually told me that it wasn't for him, that he actually felt a lot of peace during that time. Fact, I used to watch scary movies with my dad. Story, I loved to have something in common with my dad. I don't know whether I really liked the scary movies, to be honest, but I know that I loved having something that was just mine and his. Fact, my father made plans to commit suicide many times. Story, I am so grateful that he chose to stay in his body and that he stuck around. I did carry a fear as a kid that my father would not come home one day, and that's a fear that I have had a hard time putting to rest, even as an adult. Fact, I hoarded and hid food as a kid. I have several different siblings that have talked about memories of that. Story, I don't completely remember that. I don't always remember that I, that I stole food from the kitchen and would go and hide it in my room. But I do know that I was very worried about our family's level of poverty ever since I can remember. Fact, I began taking medicine and attending therapy for depression and anxiety when I was 21 years old. Story. It wasn't for a few years and after some major dips that I finally got into a therapist who happened to specialize in childhood trauma. And for the first time, I found a safe place to share my story. I began to work through emotions like fear, disappointment, shame, guilt, and embarrassment that I had pushed down for a lot of years as a kid. Maybe I was working through those feelings fully for the first time in my life. When you're worried that your dad might kill himself and you're worried about your mom falling apart because her load is too heavy for anyone to bear, you don't show those emotions. Not as a kid that loves their parents dearly and of course wants them to be happy. Fact, as an adult, I had a period of time where I requested to not speak to my parents for six months. That's a boundary I set up. Story, the idea of being with my parents at that time and in their home brought back so many triggering feelings and memories for me. A lot of people wouldn't have honored this request, but I was blessed enough to have parents that did honor it for me. Fact, I'm living with my mom right now as we transition during our move. Story, I don't have perfect relationships with either of my parents, but I am trying and we're all trying the best we know how to figure it out. And I love them very much. And they say, and I believe that they love me. Fact. I wrote a story called Broccoli Punzel during my sophomore year of college for a children's literature class. Story. The story is about a princess who was born with broccoli for hair and she hates it about herself. She's given the opportunity to get rid of her broccoli hair once and for all by a special visitor. As she's pondering over this decision, she realizes how this broccoli hair can actually help her village. She chooses to keep her hair, even though she didn't like it because she becomes aware that making others happy is worth being different. She learns that what makes you different makes you powerful. Essentially, this is a story of self-acceptance. Fact, I published this book on Amazon in August of 2017. Story, I have done presentations on this book in schools, in church settings, and read this book to many, many, many children. And only a few weeks ago did I realize that this book Broccoli Punzel, A Fractured Fairy Tale? It's not about a princess with broccoli for hair. This story, this story is about me and my fight to love myself, even though I have depression and anxiety. Even though when I was 19 years old, 
I moved out of my parents' house and I was certain that depression and anxiety would never enter my home. Fact, I wrote Broccoli Punzel in 2009. I started taking antidepressants in 2012. Story, I wrote this story long before I knew that I would ever struggle with the one thing that I promised would never enter my home. Anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever you want to call it. In fact, before my husband and I were even engaged, when we were just dating, I had a very clear conversation with my husband about that, about that need for me to not marry someone that struggled in these ways because I needed to not be around that anymore. Never in my wildest nightmares would I imagine that that would ever be my struggle one day. Now, each of our stories are different. You can have two people that had the same experiences as far as the facts are concerned, but their stories aren't going to be exactly the same. I believe my story is important, and I believe your story is important, and I believe my father's story is important, and I believe my child's story is important. None of us are going to get this life exactly right. I mess it up all the time. But if we are going to feel pain, which we are, if we are going to have to wrestle with these facts and try and make sense of them, let's do it together. I wanna share my story with you and I hope that you'll feel safe enough to share it with me. If I have a guest on an episode, I'll often ask them what they would say to themselves during an experience that's past. So I'm gonna take this opportunity to answer that question myself. What would I say if I could go back and talk to little six-year-old Julie, little four-year-old Julie, what would I say to her to help her understand the things going on, the commotion going on around her? I think what I'd tell her is I would tell her, sweetheart, these things going around you, first of all, these are not something that you need to feel responsibility to fix. And you don't need to be afraid. There is a God that is in charge that loves your parents even more than you do. And he will watch over them and he watches over you. And you're a really cool little girl. And there are a lot of people around you that love you and that love your family, and you're not forgotten. Thank you for listening to another chapter of my story that I've wanted to share, but I haven't known exactly how to or when to until now. <sighs> that was a big one, guys. <laughs> Let me just breathe through that for a second. <laughs> if you would like to support the podcast. And if you just have money lying around that you use as a fan, <laughs> cool, by the way, this podcast could use it. It could use your help. I'm not gonna get down on my knees and beg, but I will tell you that those things could be used in a really helpful way to pay for the cost of the podcast. Now, if you're eating a can of cold SpaghettiOs for dinner that you found on the bottom of the pantry floor, please don't help the podcast. <laughs> but save your pennies. I've been there and I love both groups of those people, okay? There's three different ways you can. You just click on support the podcast on the website, which is icupodcast.com. You can directly donate towards the cost of the website and the equipment. You can buy adorable, if I do say so myself, podcast apparel, or you can click on the link to the ICU Mary Kay website where you receive 25% off all Mary Kay. Don't forget 
that if you have a story that's hard for you to think about, I still have parts of my story that are hard for me to think about. Parts of my story I haven't quite processed yet. And I certainly haven't shared in public yet. And that's okay because it's not time. But just know that you can take care of the you in those stories now. You can change the history of that child's life. You can say to yourself, I've got you. We're okay now. I say to myself all the time, Julie, what do you need right now? Do you need an ice cream cone? (laughs) Do you need to cry? What do you need to do? Whatever it is, you don't need to be afraid anymore. I want you to know that I believe you're worth it and I believe I'm worth it. And I believe that the inner child in all of us is worth it. My name is Julie Lee and I see you. Do you know a group of people that needs to hear the message that compassion and connection save lives, that it saved my life? If you do, will you please contact me at www.icupodcast.com. Seeing each other with compassion and connection not only saves lives, but it can completely transform a work environment, a school environment, and a religious environment. I am willing to talk to anybody that will listen, because I'm right about this.